This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. been around a lot of blind people, you might not associate us with things like marathon canoeing or a 42k hike. Ron Walsh of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, founder of the Blind Adventurer Foundation, wants to change that. His ambition is to help blind and partially sighted people prepare and learn, and then set out on the kind of guided adventures that change lives. In this conversation, we hear about Ron's goal and how he plans to get there. Blind Adventure is a foundation I started to take blind people out on adventures, uh, to take them beyond their comfort zone. The foundation is going to take people out ziplining, parachuting, canoeing, and backpacking. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a sense of your target market? I mean, obviously blind people, but is there sort of any subset or any particular people that you imagine being attracted by this? Everybody. I'm not going to exclude anybody. The, there's a lot of people out there that are very uh, adventurous. I want those people and I also want the people that are couch bound. The trips I'm planning are, there's going to be lots of training. There's, uh, beforehand I'd like to make sure that they have some experience in setting up their tent, uh, using stoves, everything. Not that they're expected to do it, but if you're there and it's not that hard to do and you have a little bit of training, you can do it. So I'm thinking about the whole spectrum of the blind community and what if you engage with someone who maybe doesn't have basic independent living skills or O&M skills? Have you thought about how you would approach that? Well, from the beginning it's all about training. I want to be able to make sure that they're able to go. I want to give them um, a bit of physical fitness beforehand just to ensure their success. I don't want somebody to go halfway and feel it's too much for them. A lot of these things cost money, and that's where I'm going to come in. I'm going to raise the money. I'll be supplying equipment, food, everything, transportation. So really, you just have to show up with uh, some enthusiasm. What I'm kind of picturing is that the most people who are the most adventurous already are going to be pouncing on it. They're going to be banging down your door. Have you thought about how you would sell it to people who maybe are scared or are the couch-bound people? Like that's a could be a bit of a hard sell. Is Do you have a strategy about that or an argument to, to make to people to convince them that it's worth trying? Well, I'm targeting those people as well. Uh, with training, um, in your community, uh, if there's an outdoor store, I'll see if I can arrange with them to give you some experience. I want them to go in with some experience, um, like I say, to go to a sporting goods store and see what kind of stoves there are and just be taught and show how to set up a tent and be given a tent that it's easily to set up. Mm-hmm. With the application, there's a certain amount of physical fitness that has to go along. Right. And it's not extreme. It's just to get the suggestion to a person to get up and start moving and a reason to start moving. And the trips that I'm designing are not really dangerous or not scary. But they are. Te- they will test you. Uh, the hike is 42 kilometers. Woo. Yeah, it's uh, three days in a row of 14 kilometers, hiking into uh, Grail's Cabin in uh, Waska Sioux National Park. 
Where's that? Uh, Prince Albert National Park. It's in uh, Saskatchewan. Okay. Yeah. Have you considered what will happen if you try the training, the person does what they can, but they're just not ready, they're, they're not fit? Well, I would, I would not want to bring someone along and have them not be successful. Okay. I have to be confident in their ability and safety, and so do they. There's things you can, if you live in a building, you can walk up and down stairs. If you don't have a guide, there's lots of things you can do to get prepared. Right. Run through, a, a say, a typical day on the, the hike you're describing. And what I'm interested in particularly is from the experience of the blind person, what kinds of assistance will they be getting from, from people on the trip with you? Well, I've hiked in the past, and I, uh, the person in front of me, my guy that's guiding me, uh, he grabbed onto a hiking pole, and I grabbed onto the other end. And when he turned left to right, I could feel it in my hand. So that was a super good uh, clue for me, uh, rocks and trees and et cetera. A couple of years ago, I did a hike uh, 57 kilometers over the Pacific Coast Mountains, the Chilkoot Trail. And we had kind of an idea of how we were going to do it before we took off. And during training, it fell apart. So we ended up using the pole system, and it worked great. Okay. So yeah. each, each, person would ha- each blind person would have an individual guide? Yes. Okay. Yes. When I've hiked a little bit in the past, one thing I found was I would someone would just find a nice convenient sort of stripped tree branch, like a cane sized but sturdier, and I would use that kind of almost like a white cane. So are you, are you open to adapt adaptations in your strategy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I started out with one uh, theory. We were going to take a couple of carabiners uh, with a couple of tent poles, hooked them onto my belt and onto the person who was guiding me's pack. In training, it completely fell apart, and we couldn't do it that way. So, right, absolutely, right. I'd be completely open to. I'm learning from blind people all the time. Oh, really? That's neat. Yeah. Tell me about why you started this idea. Uh, I do a lot of adventurous things myself, and I kind of noticed I'm one of the only blind guys or blind people there. And a lot of these activities, I believe that is completely um, designed for people that are blind. In what sense? Like, give well, me an example. Like um, canoeing, there's nothing to hit. You can, um, it's really safe uh, with some training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the canoe portion of the trip I was going to have this year, um, I'm working with a club to take some blind people into a pool, get some experience, even floating in a life jacket, and what to do if the boat fills up full of water. If things go bad and people start yelling, <clears throat> that's not the time to start learning. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if ahead of time, we can give you the experience and give you the confidence to go into it that if something happens, you have some idea what to do. Where do you anticipate that you'll recruit your guides? I've actually had people already contacting me wanting to go that uh, it'll be kind of exciting to go. I actually have more pe- more guides talking to me than people that are blind. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. And, and have you thought about re- where you will recruit uh, blind people from? How you will reach the population that you're interested in? Well, through the CNIB, um, I'm also going to, on these events, if I can, get a hold of TV and radio and mm. get them involved as well. I'm involved in the Saskatoon Blind Ski Club. Oh, okay. I'm also a blind bowler. Tell me about the, the, your, your sense of the funding. You've said you want it to be affordable for, for, the, for the blind people, the blind population that you're working with. Yeah, I completely want it, um, the money to not be an issue. 
uh, I will come up with all the equipment, all the food, everything. So if a person wants to come along, there's virtually no expense to them, but they still have to do a lot of work to get ready. Right. They have to physically get ready and mentally get ready and yeah, but I really don't want the money to be a big barrier. And if you have money and I don't really want that to be a barrier. If you have money and you want to donate some money, that's great. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, then you're completely welcome as well. And have you gone as far yet as to strategize about how you'll fundraise? At the beginning, um, it takes about six months to 18 months to get uh, charitable status. Oh, okay. So right off the bat, I'm going to be going after corporate. Right. I've got a little more paperwork to do to actually um, get out and do the sales part of it. So I can tell you're, you're so enthusiastic. What part of it is most exciting for you? All of it. The, um, I'm doing something I really don't know anything about. It's kind of a steep learning curve. You're on your own blind adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm quite surprised all the time on the things that blind people do. The um, one fella in uh, I was just skiing with, he ran the Boston Marathon mm -hmm. and did quite well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's uh, some pretty interesting people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you looking for people to start just within Saskatchewan or what's your geographical range for people? Um, right off the bat for organizational, I'm going to do Saskatchewan for the first year and then open it up to all of Canada. Tell me about um, being in Saskatchewan. What are the sporting opportunities and the athletic opportunities available for blind people where you live? Uh, there's lots. There's canoeing. I'm in the uh, marathon side of the canoe club. I'm also in the recreation side. Uh, blind bowler. I'm in the blind ski club. Um, there's lots of outdoor activities. There's lots of hiking and... There's lots to do for the blind. Do you anticipate uh, a range of visual acuity, like partially sighted, or are you looking specifically at totally blind people? No, uh, people with eye problems. Okay. Visually impaired, uh, yeah, blind, visually impaired, just people that um, are have eye problems. Right. Apart from the financial piece, do you have a sense of what the biggest barrier might be for blind people not doing this kind of adventurous stuff? Uh, the people that are around you. Uh, the people that don't really give you the, give you the, maybe the space to do what you can do. Uh, with a slight bit of instructions, a person can do a lot. Um, but many times people want to do it for you. They're you know just being kind to you and maybe don't know of your abilities and they do it for you. Where blind people can do a lot of things by themselves. Yeah. The more I talk with, with blind people, the more I understand how important it is to, first of all, be part of a community of people like yourselves, but also to have role models and see what other people are doing. And just, like, so for me, I meet people who are more independent than I am, and I go, oh, they're doing that? Oh, if they're doing that, I could probably do that, maybe. And it becomes, suddenly becomes possible when it's something that I had never thought of before. Well, being in a group of blind people, I do uh, some ski racing, and being in a group of blind people and witnessing what they can do and listening to what they have done, it's pretty amazing. For more information, visit www.theblindadventurer.com. You've been listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik.
This was a CNIB Foundation podcast.